Grab your hard seltzer, a glass of wine, or a shot of tequila. It's time for Girl Talk. Let's get real. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 17. We have a very special guest with us today. We have Alexandra from the Splendid Path blog. And um, not only is she here to talk to us about her own divorce journey, but she's here to talk to us about her debut book called Her Awakening, One Woman's Journey to Healing After Divorce. Her book was just released. We are super excited for her. So she is here to tell us all about her book, all about her blog, and all about her journey. So please lend us your ear and let's get to it. Welcome, Alexandra. You guys have a drink, right? Though but we do. Oh yes. No. What are you? What are you drinking? You're. I have a glass of wine. Just like, it's like cheap wine. No. Hey, hey don't knock cheap wine. <laughs> I imagine in California, even cheap wine's amazing wine. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, I. Like, I don't have any vineyards around here, but I'll take cheap wine. <laughs> but it's fine. I had a person recently. We took Cheryl out for her birthday, and I went, and we were there, and we were having a good time, and a couple of guys were like, oh, we'll buy you shots for your birthday, and they asked me what I wanted to drink, and I was like, I'll take a shot of tequila, and it's like, what kind of tequila, and I was like, look, I will drink slummy tequila, I will drink good tequila, I don't care. <laughs> It's a great drink. My friend joked, like, in this the pandemic, with the economy, you can't. Exactly. We're we're actually drinking a local cider, hard cider from um Austin East Ciders. And what's it called? Austin East Ciders? Yeah, Austin East Ciders. We're drinking the blood orange tonight. But through this whole thing, one of the things that we noticed, because we love like White Claw and Truly and all those, but we noticed that the local ciders here are more flavorful and really good. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I remember I was in Europe a few summers ago, and I was just drinking ciders. I don't know why. I was on a cider kick. And, yeah, they're, they're great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. ciders, yeah. So and good. They're, I find they're easier on your stomach. They are, yes. gluten-free, right? Yeah. yeah. They have, they, we've, we've read a few that were, like, questionable ingredients, but gets the job done. <laughs> Definitely aren't drinking them for their health content. So. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's start talking about how healthy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At least red wine has some some potential. I'm pretty yeah. sure this has yeah, <laughs> not a lot. It gets us through the hard topics. That is that's exactly. all that matters. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Anybody going through a divorce, that's like number one. Get some alcohol. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I I definitely don't advocate it for, you know, lifelong, but I think there's periods in life where you just have to numb your way through some things, you know? Seriously. Yeah. I, Seriously. <laughs> I actually didn't start drinking until after my divorce. Really? Yeah, because I was oh. a Mormon. So I was Mormon no way. my whole 20 years of my marriage and did oh. not start drinking. I mean, I drank in college before I got married. You know, I had the wild years. Um, <laughs> but did not start drinking till after my divorce and wow. remembered that I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> I know a couple Mormons, but they're not good Mormons. They drink. So. Oh, oh yeah. No, we have a few of those. Yeah. I was not one of those, but no, she was a fabulous wow. Mormon. We've been friends for 15, 15 years. years 
And we had our first drink together last summer. Oh, yeah. so I don't, I don't want to get too personal, but when you ended your marriage, did you also like step away from the church? Is that what happened? Yeah. So, um, and I've actually talked about this a lot on the podcast because I'm yeah. an, I'm a huge advocate for, um, there's a lot of Mormon women out there that when they get divorced, I mean, they have done everything right. Alexander, this is so close to my heart. They have been, you know, a Relief Society teacher and they've been a Sunday school teacher and they've raised their kids right. And they've put their careers off to be a homemaker and they keep their, they're the, literally the foundation of their family. And then for whatever reason, whether it be the husband's fault, her fault, lack of communication, whatever, she finds herself divorced. And in that instant, she is instantly treated differently. She, single women or divorced women in the church are, you lose your friends. They don't know how to cope. They act like your divorce is a plague that's going to infiltrate their marriage. They, friends that I had for 25 years, years suddenly were didn't know what to say to me anymore and were unfriending me on social media because they didn't know how to cope with my divorce and the my kids we were in the thick of divorce I'll make a long story short we were in the thick of divorce and my kids were we were crying daily and we didn't go to church because that's the last thing we thought about was going to church and the first time we went back to church not only did no one speak to me really, because they didn't know what to say, but they actually ignored my kids. And one of the leaders told my daughter that she had, and the leaders knew, but told my daughter that she was letting her class down because she wasn't um, here for the past month. She didn't like take her and hold her and say, how are you doing? She just told her that she was letting all of her class members down because she wasn't there because she served as president of the class. That's awful. Yeah. And that's why, that's when I said no more. Like, and my yeah. kids said no more. Well, I think in my book, I even write about, I'm not Mormon, but I'm Catholic. And it wasn't, it's not like that, but I had so much, it took me like six months of after we split up to like convince myself I'm not going to hell. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like, it was weird because yep. my parents never told me that like divorce equals hell or I can't remember anyone specific saying that, but for whatever reason, I just thought I'm going to go to hell. And I had this like Catholic guilt and I had to through that but it's not like what you experienced that's wow I, I could see why you after that just turn turning back on it I would too yeah yeah I had to for my for my own sanity and my children's sanity yeah and that's not like in my mind that's well that's not what God wants like no all, right right that's not God's love no no not at all not at all that was the opposite of, in fact that was the opposite of what the church had taught me and my children all those years and what I had instilled in my children all those years was, yeah. you know, the opposite of what they were actually doing. Um, so we're very, very thankful that you're doing this with us. And we are actually very excited to get into your story and your book and everything that we can, because we want to learn all of this about you as well. Uh, especially since we bonded on that initial reason why you wrote your book and reason why we started our mm-hmm. podcast definitely yeah thank you so much i'm super excited yeah well good awesome. yeah well do you want to start by kind of giving us some background and telling us your story whatever you're comfortable with and sure yeah so uh i have been split up now for like i said five years um since we initially split and 
we had been together for a number of years before we got married. We were, we were together most of my 20s. And then around, yeah, 30-ish, I found myself suddenly single. And I, when it all kind of came to a head and we split up, I would say it was quite sudden, I guess, in relative, uh, when you compare it to other divorces. I think other people sometimes, they're in marriages and they, it's like years and years and years, right? And then right. finally you get to a point where you're like, you know what, this, we can't do this anymore. Mine wasn't quite the same. Like it was, it wasn't years and years. It was quite sudden at the end. So I think I didn't have enough, I didn't have much time to process the end within the marriage. So I think a lot of times when you go through a divorce, a lot of times you're, you've processed a lot of it before you even get to the end and then you have more to process. Me, I had to process it all after. So it was really, it was really difficult. I went through a really dark period and um, like depression and I had suicidal ideation during that time. I went through this whole I would say a year of really like mental health struggles and then, and then a few years after that of healing and, and getting better and finding the light and all that stuff. Um, but it was really hard. And when I split up, I like, I had never even put like air in my car tires. Like I, I had always, I had lived with my father, like my parents, Mm -hmm. like in my dad's home to my husband's home kind of thing. Like there was no, me just living on my own or with girlfriends and I always had either my dad or boyfriends or like my ex-husband like do things so I was so also like it was just so challenging for me just to be on my own it was really hard I didn't know how to do that so it was just this amazing period it was very dark but also an amazing period of like self-discovery so I but in that first year, like I said, I was struggling so much. And at the time, because I was kind of younger to be going through a divorce, like in early 30s, not a lot of, like, it's, I think, more common now. But at the time, it wasn't that common. And nobody in my life that age was going through it. I think I knew, like, one person, maybe a colleague at work, that was even, like, at all that I knew. Hmm. And so I was very alone, too. Like, I had nobody to talk to that was a divorced or went through a divorce so that's why I turned to the internet and I turned to Instagram and so I remember initially I was just kind of like posting sad and like angry memes under a different I think name a different handle and I just started I didn't think anybody would see it or I remember it was like boxing day right I was mm-hmm. with my parents and I was so low and so I started this account and I put up like one post just thinking like nobody's gonna see it and I ended up getting a few likes and like someone sent me a message and I was like huh okay, like there's other people out there. And so that's kind of how that all started. And then I just started connecting with people kind of all over the world through social media. And it was just like desperately just what I needed to heal. I just needed to connect with people. And yeah, and that's kind of what kickstarted this whole thing. And then, yeah, now I'm here and I've written a book and about that whole healing journey. It's actually very um, awesome that we found each other because Everything that you just said is a lot like what we've experienced mm-hmm. as well. We, we we really didn't have that kind of preparation either. You know, when both of us, that decision was made so quickly and so blind, like it blindsided both of us, you know, when we, when that decision was made and that year after was, whew, that was a... Right. Like, well, in our cases, we went, you know, 20 years, 18 and 20 years of marriage. And what now? Like that year was a 
dark year Mm -hmm. because our identities weren't, I know for me, I had no freaking idea what I was going to do. Like I had no idea what I was going to do. Even who I was, basically. Oh, no, not at all. I had even, I had planned, I was married for 22 years and I would say for at least 10 of them, I had been reading about verbal abuse, emotional abuse, and I knew I needed to get out, but I never, ever saw myself actually doing it. So I, I was almost living this duality of, of, I separated accounts early on. I I followed all these steps that I had read in books, but then on the flip side, knew I didn't have the strength to actually leave. Yeah. But then when I pulled the plug on it, it was instantaneous. And so then I did fall into that. Holy shit. What, what did I just do? Even though I had thought about it, planned about it, written in journals about it, but it was almost this fantasy life of, of wow. If I escape, this could happen, but when it actually came down to it, I was not ready for it at all. Right. I completely relate. Like I, yeah, without getting into too much detail, I learned after that I had been through a lot of verbal abuse thing, same thing, because you know, maybe different, but, and when it was happening in my marriage, it was so foreign to me. I didn't know how to make heads and tails of it because my Parents had never treated me like that or friends or even ex-boyfriends. Like this was the first time and it didn't happen before we got married. So it was so foreign and it was awful. And I, I didn't know how to make heads or tails of it. But the same thing I would watch. I remember I watched this one episode of the show Girls on HBO and she was like younger, kind of like me, not quite that. I wasn't that young, but she was a bit younger. And she just one day just like left her husband and I would watch that show like over and over Mm. and over again. And I would be, I knew it was because that's what I wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. But I just, yeah, I didn't have the strength for a really long time. And then when things came to my head, it, even though it was the healthiest and best choice I could have made, and I'm happy that it happened, I really didn't know how to handle it. And with like verbal abuse or any kind of abuse, I think a lot of times you know, abusers, they're not completely monsters. And so for right. me as well, like I, I, it was done, but I would be like, Oh, but he, like, you know, he's good this way and good this way. Mm-hmm. And so that was a big part of healing too, like dealing with that, like the trauma of that and not hating the person, but right. dealing with all that too. Like that was very much tied up in getting through my divorce was also like healing from things that had happened within yeah. my marriage. Yeah. That's very hard with abusers because they do have very much that Jekyll and Hyde personality. And half of them you you detest because of what they put you through. But then the other half, of course, I mean, we fall in love with them for a reason. And exactly. yeah, and so it, it is hard. I think you grieve that person, the person that, that you know is part of them. But, it, but it's hard to wrap your head around the fact that both sides of them are that person. Yeah. And like when I was with my ex, like it was in that, yeah, in my twenties, most of my twenties. So like when you think of that time, that decade of your life, it's all about like having fun going out with your friends. So he was like my best friend. And and at that time it seems like such a big thing. So like for me, it was all of a sudden, not just losing a marriage and a husband, but like all of a sudden my best friend was just gone. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Same for us too. But Yeah. yeah, you're just like, and that was, I remember therapy came up all the time about like how much I missed our friendship 
because him outside of that relationship container, like in the relationship is when things went bad. Mm-hmm. And, but when, when we were in that friendship, it was fine. So it was like, I would say like, I miss my, and she would, my therapist would say, well, could you like salvage that? absolutely not of course you mourn that part of it I mean you're losing your best friend you're losing your husband you're losing in our cases it was you know two decades and you know fathers of our children and there are a lot of good times so so much so that you you just start to not understand what is happening you know Mm -hmm. but it's that it's right after the divorce where I couldn't find anything to really help me. Nothing out there said, girl, you're going to lose your shit. You're probably, you're probably going to drop your basket. You're going to make some dumbass decisions. You're, you know, you're going to, you're going to act like a, an idiot in college again. You're, you're not going to know how to date. Yeah. Try all the vodkas. Yeah. The raspberry, yeah. the mango, the pineapple, all the vodka. No one told me. No one told me how to cope with that. Mm-hmm. And then I've got three children who are teenagers looking at me. And mom went from being, you know, stable Mormon mom to sometimes, you know, stumbling in late at night hoping they don't hear. And yeah. and then the guilt would set in. Yeah, that that screw that first year. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. awful. Oh my god, yeah. And then like, and then if you even get to dating, like, and for you guys, I'm sure it's the same. Like for me, it's a very interesting time to go through a divorce if you were with someone for a long time, <laughs> because before I was married, and I imagine the same with you, there was no online dating, there was no apps, nope. none no. of that nope. existed. Nope, not at all. So you go from that, you're married, you're married a long time, you're with them, and then all of a sudden you're single and you have to date, and you're like, oh, Lord, like, this is the wild one. <laughs> what a, what? What a learning curve, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. I think I told this story in episode one or episode two, but the the only dating app I had heard of at that time was Tinder because I'm a teacher and the kids had talked about it. <laughs> and so I downloaded Tinder. I didn't know the reputation it had. And I was complaining to my daughters who at the time were 15 and 19. I said, oh my gosh, this dating pool is ridiculous. And they said, well, where are you meeting these guys? And I said, Tinder. And they said, mom, what the hell are you doing? Get off of Tinder. But I, I didn't know there were different apps and the different apps had different reputations. And I mean, no wonder, I, no offense to, I'm sure there's some nice people in Tinder somewhere, but I sure wasn't finding them. And it's funny when I started dating because it was a few years ago. At the time, Tinder was a little bit of a hookup app, but it wasn't as hookup-y as it is now. So the time it was like a you, you went on Tinder as well as Bumble and all the things. So yeah. now all my stories sound awful because I was on Tinder. Right. It's <laughs> just swearing some people I want to think so. I think that's where the first, yeah, we all just naturally, because it was the most known. So right. you just naturally yeah. went on it. And I had no idea either. I quickly found out. Quickly. <laughs> but yeah. you're right. Like, there's nothing out there that tells you, yeah, like, the year is going to be awful and you're going to make a lot of bad choices. And and it's okay. Have, yeah. And you have to go through that or, like, it, it's just part of it. Yeah. I think that's what yeah. I needed most. And, and I don't know about you two, but I, I needed someone because at the time, I like my parents were upset with me. Everyone was upset because we were the model 
couple that suddenly let everybody down. So I needed someone just to tell me that, you know, it's okay. It's, it's okay. What you're going through right now sucks and it's horrible and it's bad, but you're going to be okay. And it's, it's okay to go through this, you know, and I'm here for you the whole time, but I, I didn't have, we didn't have books or, you know, mm. you can't read a professional. I, I respect professionals a hundred percent, but you can't read a book written by a therapist and relate it to you when they haven't been there. They don't know just how dark it gets. No, I completely agree. Yeah, I remember. And I like I'm a, a big reader, so I would look for like books. Mm-hmm. And all I could find were yeah, books from like maybe people financial people about like the financial stuff and lawyers and stuff. And then yeah, a therapist, right? Those right, yeah. types of things or books about if your life is in transition, how do you peel, that sort of thing. But I couldn't find, like you said, like anything that was like Really, yeah, talked about how dark it was. Yeah. So I wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> and we're thankful oh, for that. It's pretty raw. I'm, like, I kind of put it all up there. I'm actually very excited about it. Like, the more I get to know you and the more I hear your story, I'm actually very excited about this book. And I can't wait to recommend it to people um, as a, a finally a resource, mm-hmm. you know, to between our podcast and your book. Girl, you're gonna be okay. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're gonna be okay. Here here's some people on yeah. the other side and here's our journey and you can read about it and listen to it and see that people have gone through this. People have been as low as you were or as you are, depending on where they are, you know, in their in their journey. Yeah. And that that you will get to the other side. And well, yeah, I, I didn't have a lot of that. I, I needed to hear that, but like I needed like first person and like you think of like you know books like wild or eating blood like they're great but they don't really get at like the darkness of divorce like they right. do a little bit they touch on it a tiny bit but it's a lot more about like adventure and like transition and and which is beautiful like they're fantastic and they're fantastic yeah. writers. Those are mm-hmm. fantastic books but i guess i couldn't find anything that was just like exclusively divorce and like let's talk about grief let's talk about like loss and and loneliness like oh god how do you deal with lonely and all the mental health stuff like because my mental health was so horrible and i couldn't make heads or tails of it and then i had to do all this research that finally i learned you know it's trauma (laughs) and i didn't i couldn't figure that out and so you know i kind of i guess yeah i put it all in my book so that if someone's like in that really dark place, they can pick it up and be like, okay, this is normal and it's going to be okay. And like, yeah. here's some things I could do to, you know, maybe be a bit better. Well, which is so important because even, even therapists don't necessarily know how to recognize all of those things if they haven't been through it. And depending on what they've read and what they've researched, my, my therapist released me in the darkest moments of my post-divorce time I was in a horrible place, but in her mind, I was doing okay. And she said, you know, I I just don't think we really need to meet anymore. I think you're doing great. And (laughs) and I thought, oh, am I? And, you know, I I felt okay for a second. And I was like, yay, I'm I'm doing great. Uh, Meanwhile, like the next night, I stumbled through the door, you know, and my daughter's like picking me up off the floor and, and I wasn't doing great at all, but they're just things that I think 
if you haven't been through them, you don't necessarily know what happens behind closed doors, yeah. you know, that don't fit that those stages or or aren't talked about as often. You know, the ugly, the the just like you said, the really dark part that just doesn't get talked about a whole lot. Well, and I think like I've said this before, like um, one of my most healing things was actually connecting with others who have lived through the same experience. Uh, so that's like when you think about, I know it's not the same thing, but like Alcoholics Anonymous, right? They go to AA meetings because everybody there has their own addiction of some sort and they can relate. Mm-hmm. And so like with, you can't just talk about grief or loss with someone that's gone through, I don't know, loss because of a different reason, say a right. natural disaster. No, you need divorce people. Right. And so for me, like that was so therapeutic because I didn't have them in my life. I got online and I like met these people. You know, I still, we talk every once in a while, like these people that were so pivotal early in my journey where we were all, and we were around the same age and we all didn't have kids because I didn't have children at the time. And that's different than someone who has kids. Mm-hmm. It is a different experience. So like I didn't, so I connected with these people and we just like would, yeah, pick each other up when we were falling apart and we got it though. Like we totally got it and we understood it better than anybody. And I think anybody who's listening or anybody who's going through divorce, like, find your people. Not, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, your friends are great, your family's great, but find that person that's going through divorce or has been through it, um, whether it's a colleague or maybe someone, your cousin, I don't know, just find someone because they're going to get it more than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, and I think it helps also to to know that you can openly talk to that person and know that they not only understand it, but they aren't getting tired of hearing about it. Like, I I have some friends who I love to death, but they had never been through divorce again, and I just felt like, oh, geez, am I the one, you know, am I that friend? Yeah. (laughs) Am I the one always (laughs) raining on the parade, the one always, you know, being the damper to the conversation? But if you have someone else that's been through it, then at least they understand the depth of your sadness and, and the need to talk about it because if not yeah. you're just holding on to it inside and we all know that doesn't well, do any good <laughs> <laughs> well and i think too like because divorce is more i wouldn't say mainstream but you know it happens with celebrities and stuff so people have this idea that it like there was a, a post i saw a, a person that's quite uh, prominent on instagram who's like put up about divorce and some of the comments were saying things like, I don't know why, you know, it's not that bad. Lots of people go through it. So that's another, I think, damaging kind of idea out there that it's not that bad. You know, 50% of couples divorce or whatever it may be. Like, it's not that bad. And that's totally not true. Like, yeah. It's horrible. Right. It's so dark. So, like, other people that have been through it get that. They understand. Yeah. Completely agree. Um, tell us about your book journey because today you kind of touched on how long you had been working on it but tell us like we know why you did it and we're very thankful that you did but tell (laughs) us how that book journey has been yeah so I I have blogged for a few years so I started on Instagram and then I said I'm gonna start blogging and my blog at the beginning was very just raw like all the things that were coming up I just kind of wrote them and put them out on the internet. It was kind of like my journal, but more public. I don't know why I took to a blog, but I did. <laughs> and so I, I really found a lot of healing in writing. And so I ended up 
when the book started originally, I think it started, I started writing it probably two or three years ago. It just started kind of from my blog. Like I took pieces, bits and pieces from my blog and I, I kind of was able to piece together sort of a little bit of an outline. And then as I kind of went more into it and was writing, I was, I realized, you know, I can actually have a full like book from this. Like I, I can do that. And so I would just, I remember earlier on, like I would just like sit down, pull things from my blog, add to it with like a glass of wine and it was really healing. Like it's, it's, it's evolved and it's come a long way and that is a lot more polished now in the beginning, but it was really healing at the start talking about like the lessons I learned from the end of my marriage and talking about my journey relationship with grief and talking yeah. about dealing with loneliness and, and, you know, and all, like, and writing about like, how do you deal with all those unsolicited opinions you're going to get and how do you deal with like getting rid of things and getting rid of toxic friendships like that's all in there and it just yeah it kind of grew and grew and then eventually I just had I had a book and then I eventually didn't I didn't think I was actually going to do anything with it I started into my computer and then I found I found kind of found a home for it and yeah decided to okay you know what I should publish this when we first started you know doing our podcast and we formulated episode one. We kind of did a introduction to ourselves and we're like, well, let's just, you know, see how it goes. And we were both like so nervous. I hope, you know, we know what to talk about. And then now we're recording episode um, 17 with you and every single episode will get done. And we're like, whoa, that one was an hour and a half long. Like we just word vomit because <laughs> all of those feelings that neither of us really, you know, had the opportunity to get to all that through. out whenever right. we were going through it. And so now little memories, you know, every episode, little memories will pop up and we've had so many, like she said, epiphanies. Oh yeah. I remember that. And I, this is how I felt. And then that leads you on an emotional journey. And mm-hmm. next thing you know, you're an hour and a half going, okay, people are, people are, <laughs> are not going to listen to this. What was, I think episode 13, I think it was, was a two was hour. two hours. Yeah. yeah. It was two hours of just us talking. And I recorded it and I pressed save. And I was like, that's taking a long time. And I'm like, holy crap, we've been talking for two hours. <laughs> it was it's amazing. Oh, yeah. And it was it was an hour and 50 minutes after editing. Like, and I edited. Wow. Yeah, it was it was crazy. But so much. I feel like with every single episode we feel better like Mm -hmm. so we we kind of close the door on something yeah is that kind of how you felt as you wrote different chapters and things like that yeah yeah it it was very healing and it was very you know and also because it was a few years in the works it also identified areas I still needed to work on myself Mm -hmm. (laughs) like I still weren't fully like healed um yeah and it was I I the last, I would say, six months, I've kind of been in the editing stage with my publisher. So, like, I get back and forth with that, and I'm editing. And so I have to read it through, like, every time. So I've read it a million times. But sometimes, if I haven't seen it in a few months, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down and read it through, look for things. And it still, like, tugs at my heart, like, oh, my God, like, I can't believe that I was in that dark place. Yeah. And, wow, I'm so thankful where I am now. Like, it's still, it gets me in all the feels still. And... It's been a journey, and yeah, I just, I'm thankful I did it. And like you said, like, 
every I guess every time I kind of read it through, it's also like yeah, I don't know. There, it's it's pretty special, I guess, for me when I go back to it, yeah. and I'm like, oh yeah, like, yeah. yeah, it's documentation of your healing. And, and yeah. you get to to look at it and experience it. And I imagine even as the years go on and you go back and read it, it'll probably change a little bit as you realize how much you've grown even from now. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I can't even imagine, right? That's the thing. Like, once you get to a place, I'm sure you guys can relate in your, like, divorce process. At first, the future seems so dark because you're in such a dark hole. But then you get to this place where you're like, hey, the future's not so bad. And like, and then you get to a place where like, I cannot wait. Like, I can't even imagine what's going to come and like what's opened up in my life because it just, it, everything shifts eventually. Eventually. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I think that's so important to talk about though, because if uh, Vina and I had talked right after, well, probably six months after I filed for divorce and she, I'll never forget, you told me, that it was two or three years out before you even started to feel like yourself again. Yeah. And I held on to that information like, like it was gold because I was six months out and I just, there was no light anywhere for me to see. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Cheryl cries. That's what, that's what I do. Every, every, every episode. episode. <laughs> but it, if I hadn't had someone there to tell me, you know, that, that was a few years ahead of me to say, I promise you, you know, it's there. Yeah. I love you. Love you too. <laughs> it, it, it's so funny. We have, um, we've known each other for 15 years and then we had a break in our friendship and I, I'm not shy about this. It's because <laughs> I was a bitch, but I was, I was, but I was, I was a, I was a bitch because my own marriage was failing and no one outside yeah. of my home knew that not even my kids and I took it out. Like I pushed other people away and got super protective of that, my world imploding. And she was one of the ones that I pushed away. Like I, any little thing would set me off. And instead of me just being open and raw and honest with her and saying, look, I'm on edge right now. And it's not you. It's me. My world is falling apart. Instead, I, I just did my survival mode and mm-hmm. put up my barriers and still ended up, you know, losing my marriage. But we found each other again um, after both of us had gotten divorced. And then she actually moved down to Texas because um, we met in Michigan. We, that's where we were friends. And she moved down here to Texas. And I can honestly say that even though I'm seven years out, these podcasts with her have like I can relate so much to to your writing with the book because these podcasts with her have a hundred percent healed things that I thought I had had even healed seven years out. Isn't that crazy? Like yeah. that's the thing. Like you think you're fully healed, and then like other stuff will come up. Like I, it wasn't this last fall, but the fall before. So I'm now with someone else. Like I'm a, a partner. We had a son recently, but before I was, before I was pregnant, like well before, um, so two falls ago, we were getting in conflicts as you do in relationships and they weren't even like big conflicts, but I would have these massive like overreactions and like, like to the point where I'd be in tears and like needing to like go, like, I remember I'd go into a closet and like close the door and like needed to like, it feel safe. Mm-hmm. And I couldn't 
and it was literally like a conflict over like what to have for dinner and it would just escalate and I couldn't I didn't understand what was going on and it and then you know going to therapy so I realized that yeah like I had mentioned earlier in the episode like the verbal abuse within my marriage I hadn't ever really addressed for years I just thought my trauma was completely about divorce but it was very much about what happened and so for me a big trigger was conflict with a man because that's when it happened Mm -hmm. so I was having these like trauma triggers in my now relationship and and so that's why I was reacting that way and so it was like this thing that yeah it wasn't I guess but it was all related to divorce and everything because it was related to my marriage I had yeah it came up years later and so I had to like heal from that and work through that and yeah, no, it's it's crazy with healing. Sometimes you think you're fully healed, but the next day you're a ball of rage. Yeah. <laughs> Tears or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you're like, what you you know where it's coming from, but you almost go into denial at first because you're like, no, no, you know, it can't be that. It can't be that. <laughs> right. And yeah. 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 It was just a few episodes ago where that was one of the like that was probably the first time that I just as I'm you know talking through the episode, I started something like really hit me mm-hmm. hard. And I ended up for the first time being the one that just bawled. Like I bawled through the whole episode. And that was, that was a yeah. huge epiphany for me, you know, to realize that, wow, that, that was still an open wound. Yeah. And I had no idea, no idea until I started talking about it with Cheryl. And yeah. I was like, well, shit, I definitely had not dealt with that. Right. <laughs> but it's the you whole. doing your own therapy. Yeah, yeah, we are. Absolutely. We yeah. are. Yeah. And, and it's like that expression, you know, you don't know what you don't know. And until it comes up. And I had the same thing happen that, that you were talking about when I got into a healthy relationship and the smallest conflict, I was just ready for it to explode and lead into this big, gigantic thing. And I went into the same mode that I used to go into and I started getting defensive and I started you know, following the protocol and, and it didn't, it, it, it derailed and went a whole different way. And I was just dumbfounded. Like, what? Oh, so that, that's it. Are, are we done? Okay. And you're still talking to me? Like this, yeah. this is confusing, but you know, I hadn't yeah. thought about that. I didn't realize what a trigger that was until it came up. Yeah. Like oh, the same ahead. thing. I hadn't gotten in any complex with any guy. I had dated until this healthy relationship I'm in because usually you don't get in conflicts with people that you just are kind of date like you right, know, right. you don't really fight until you're actually in a relationship yeah and so yeah it wasn't until I was in a healthy relationship and we had been together for like a, a while when all of a sudden boom whoa okay so yeah you don't know what you don't know like mm-hmm. exactly yeah so well, who knows how long these these little epiphanies will happen probably for years you know oh yeah but I think it's especially since we're all three parents and and I know you have a little guy which by the way I saw him today so cute so cute so (laughs) cute how old is he he's new he was born in COVID uh April so he's six months oh he's new new he is adorable I heard him in the background today and I was like pan the camera (laughs) (laughs) so cute um but as parents, you know, our daughters are older and actually our, we have two, two da- we have both have two daughters and they're both the ex- exact same age and they were both good friends. So, yeah. So, um, 
as we are healing and as we are, you know, getting through all of this, even our daughters are, I have a son, but he, he tries to stay out of stuff. But <laughs> our, our daughters have even spoken up. And recently we learned that they were listening to the podcast and their friends were listening to the podcast and sharing, you know, how all of the stuff that they're hearing is not only beneficial to them, but how proud they are. And they'll, they'll like randomly text and say, yeah. oh my gosh, I heard the podcast today and I'm so proud of you. And like her daughter the other day said, you know, the last episode was fantastic and I'm so proud of you moms. And I was like, had to put my phone down and like shed a tear. <laughs> and like, so I, you, your book and our podcast are setting the tone for our future generations. They're going to have a whole different type of resource mm-hmm. should this happen to them. They're going yeah. to have an entire different type of resource for them. They're going to have a community that is more open and honest about their trauma through divorce. They're not going to have to suffer in silence, like I, I call it, and yeah. cry in your closet. You know, yeah. They're going to be able to, to know that they, they have this whole huge support group out there of people that they can go to and say, this really sucks. Yeah. And, yeah. and re- people who will relate. Yeah. Well, and I think that also does, like you just brought it up, that doesn't get talked about even now nearly enough on traumatic divorces. I think we don't, it took me a long time to actually find info on it. Like I'm, I'm a Googler, I try to research stuff. That's not really research, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's 2021 research. <laughs> I researched it four different web pages. <laughs> But like going down the Google route, like I couldn't find any kind of, I guess, uh, work from psychologists about how traumatic divorces until I finally found some stuff. And it, it, the reason if we can like put it in the same category of trauma as like PTSD or trauma of people that go through a natural disaster, whatever they might go through, it's because it um, attacks your idea of what your future will look like. It completely destroys mm-hmm. it. And so that is very traumatic in that moment or and going forward because what you thought your life would look like is totally demolished. Yeah. So it's, it's, it is traumatic and I don't think people think of it that way. Right. So it's, it is good. Like you said that your podcast and, and my book, like you said, for like a few the future generations or even people that are older or whatever, maybe people that end up going through divorce, they'll have something that it is, very authentic to, to the experience. Mm-hmm. Yes, I fully agree. And I'm, we're thankful for people like you out there. Um, not thankful that you had to go through that, of right. course, but thankful that you're, you're brave enough um, to share your story with the rest of us and all of us out here that need to hear it and need something to relate to and tell us that, you know, we're going to be okay. Well, and I think that to be honest, I think that's a big reason I ended up actually writing the book. Cause at first, when I was in a really dark, when I was, when it was really awful, right. And right new, I felt so much shame. I think everybody who goes through divorce can relate to that feeling shame about whatever happened, maybe in the marriage, but definitely shame about a divorce. I think mm-hmm, right. it's pretty universal. Oh yeah, definitely. And so I was feeling so much shame because well, I was first, I was young. I, and like all my friends and peers are getting married and having babies. And I was just like blowing my life up. So I felt so much shame about it. So I hid, like, the way I coped with my shame was by, like, not letting anybody in. I was too proud. I didn't want anybody to know. 
And I found once I started speaking about it online, it became easier to talk more. Hmm. And I hid from talking about any of the verbal abuse for a really long time. Because I felt emotion. I felt so much shame about that. And then once I found that I started to share that, it became easier. Every time I shared a little bit of it, it became easier to share more. And then I realized, yeah, people would hear something I would share and they, they would get maybe a strength to share with someone in their life. Or I think there's a lot of power that comes from sharing our stories and it makes it less scary and less taboo. And for yourself personally, not never mind just like everybody else, but just for even yourself. Like yeah. You're like, you can say it out loud out there what's the worst that's gonna happen right, right? exactly yeah that's that it seems like you and I kind of coped in the in the same way very much so and yeah. you're you're spot on as soon as I started doing this podcast and started talking more openly about it even my communication with my kids through the whole, about divorce has opened up and we've even talked about that whole process even though it was seven years ago We've even, this podcast has caused us to have very open conversations Mm -hmm. that I wasn't in a place to have back then. Mm -hmm. And they were too young to really ask, you know, that they felt like they didn't have um, the, the maturity, I guess, to say, mom, what, what's really going on? You know what I mean? And and now they can say that they can say, Hey, here are the questions that I have and I can now talk to them openly and honestly about it. Whereas a few years ago, there's no way. Mm. Yeah, no, I agree. Yeah. So, so for anybody who's listening, like if you feel a lot of shame or you want to be secret about what you're going through, like it, it makes sense. Like, like right. you said, it's totally fine. It's right. It, but you'll feel it's kind of, I found too late. It's like breathing out when you've been holding in so much and it makes it just less scary and less shameful. It does. Completely agree. I found the more that I open up about it, the more me too's I get from either friends or people who listen to the podcast. We, we get quite a few messages about other people who've gone through verbal and emotional abuse. And, you know, when you're in it, you definitely, well, I can't speak for everyone. I definitely felt, that shame and that no one else would let their spouse talk to them or treat them like that. And so I I was very hesitant to talk about it. And then, uh, you know, I just find the more I do open up about it, the more people say, you know what, I'm going through the same thing. And so I I think, yeah, yeah, not to use, to overuse a term of, uh, of current times, but I think normalizing being able to talk about that is healthy for other people too, to realize that, it's okay to talk about it. I know it feels shameful, but it's just what you're going through and what you're experiencing. And yeah. so many of us have been through it. And nothing to be ashamed it's of. It's so fun. No. I, I actually did a recent, a different show where that was like the, the topic. I knew I was going in to talk about verbal abuse. And I, even during the episode, and years later, and I've done all the healing work, I was kind of making excuses for him. Like, as I'm doing this episode, mm-hmm. as I was saying, victims of abuse, we make excuses. And I literally was making excuses during the show. And I, wow. I remember I was with the host. Oh, oh, wait, wait. I'm making excuses <laughs> like you are. And I was like, that's how calm 
complex it is, even yeah. years down the line. I don't know. It's like you haven't done anything wrong. You feel so embarrassed. So yeah, embarrassed. Embarrassed. And, and why? You're very protective yeah. of it for some reason. Yeah. yeah. No, like just... you don't want to tell anybody. No. Maybe because we're scared people will say you have to leave. Maybe that's why. But even now, I still, even though we're done, I still won't talk about it a lot. Yeah. Which is interesting. We, we started out, I think our episodes, we were a lot more guarded. Mm-hmm. And I think as the episodes have gone on, we have gotten more and more, you know, yeah, comfortable. And, and yeah. a couple of episodes ago, actually 15, which is just coming out, we actually um, had my youngest daughter on as a guest host. She, she was so intrigued and she kept asking me. And so I finally allowed her to come on and it was a pretty easy topic. And she yeah. she sat in and she was very like open and things were just rolling off the tongue and you know we I said some things that I had never said about the divorce in front of her and she said some things that she had never said about the divorce in front of me and it was a very very awesome thing and and I'm very grateful for this platform that Cheryl yeah. and I have created that we had that moment we shared that moment mm-hmm. well and like you had said like with the me too comments like i find as soon as you do open up and you share your story like yeah what's the sharing truth can never be bad sometimes right. it can hurt people's right. feelings but it can never be bad in the long run and it's all it always ends up better once you like talk about it and share it but sometimes right. it can be really hard even like with divorce like after i yeah that's her really difficult mental health struggle like I had really bad depression and I had suicidal ideation and for the longest time I would talk about like I had depression but I would not even remotely touch the suicide stuff right (laughs) the suicidal thoughts Mm -hmm. I just was again felt a lot of shame about it and then eventually when I started talking Mm -hmm. about it more it just became easier to talk about and it also became like why am I ashamed of this? Right. Yeah. It's so strange. And people will hear it and it will help them know like they don't need to suffer alone by themselves. Right. It's okay. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. Because it can feel very alone. Many, many parts oh, yeah. of this process, yeah. but I imagine that the suicidal part of it definitely has to feel very lonely. I think even probably like mentioned your like religious background or like we talked about verbal abuse, these these things you you shouldn't feel embarrassed or shamed about, but you do. I think the shame, it's just so, it drives a lot of your hiding. I think that one of the, the things that I say a lot and I'm grateful for is that we're going to be the voice for people who haven't yet found their voice. Mm-hmm. And I, I tell people all the time, I'll be your voice until you find your own. That's fine. I can do that because I know what it was like to need someone that mm-hmm. needed that. I didn't have a voice. I, I was, like I said, I was closed, closed up, you know, hid everything, and I was suffering in silence, and I didn't have a voice at that time, and no one to have a voice for me. So we'll keep doing what we do, and we want you to keep doing what you do 100%, and we'll just give all of these people, man, men and women, our episode 16, actually we interviewed a, a man who had a very traumatic divorce, and we got... A male perspective and it was really interesting how it was pretty much the same mm-hmm. it it was yeah. 
It was just as traumatic for him Mm -hmm. and what had happened to him. It it was just exactly the same. We could relate 100%. Right. Sometimes I think for men, they even might struggle more. Not more, but there's not nearly the number of resources for men in regards to, like, even if you go online on Instagram and you look for divorce, there's not many pages at all for men. It's all for women for the most part. And then there's not many mental health stuff out there for men. Mm -hmm. They're told to just suck it up or, like, men, like, there's men that suffer physical abuse from their female spouses. Right. Mm -hmm. There is nothing out there for that. Like, they don't, I can only imagine, like, I, I knew someone that was, that was dealing with that and I can only imagine how much shame he felt about that, but there's nowhere to look. So I think sometimes for guys, it can be even more isolating because they're just supposed to suck it up and it's fine. And it's completely, fine. Yeah. yeah, completely Definitely. agree. But Man, okay. yeah, no, <laughs> Man up, you know? Yeah. 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 Okay. And that's exactly what Brian talked about when we interviewed him in episode 16. He is, uh, his biggest following is on TikTok, And he said that he has a lot of, divorced men that follow him but in general it's the women that will comment on his videos and the men kind of linger more and i i think that's just so typical they they're there they need the support they want the support but but they're back not, to the yeah, man not, up you know don't don't show your emotions they're not men comfortable don't cry. Yeah. yeah at all yeah. well alexandra we com- do you go by alex or alexandra you know, it's funny online. I usually go by Alexander, but in my life, it's Alex. Really? <laughs> oh, yeah. So either. <laughs> so what chapter you like? Okay. <laughs> well, um, tell us when your book is coming out. Tell us about your your social media. Whatever you need to do um, with our listeners, point them in the right direction. For sure. So my book is dropping November second. Uh, so right away, uh, it'll be on you can order on Amazon uh, November second. And the name? Now the name is Her Awakening, One Woman's Journey to Healing After Divorce. Okay. Awesome. And uh, for now, you can actually pre-order on my Instagram. So if you pre-order right now, and I'll keep that link up actually even after it drops, because if you order through me personally, it will be a signed copy. Okay. Uh, awesome. So you can, you can get that if you go to my Instagram, which is at the Alexander Eva May. And then I'm also on Pinterest under... Alexander Hume and I just started TikTok, but I don't know. I like, <laughs> I like your videos. I've, I've seen your videos. I like them. I don't know. It's like a lot. All the, like, all it the is. Things. So, and then I actually also have a blog too, The Splendid Path. So www.thesplendidpath.com. Okay. And there's all sorts of content for divorce and also wellness and a bit of lifestyle. But excellent. Well, but I'm well. even though on Instagram. And and my book, I'm so excited. That's so awesome. I'm so excited too. I can't I can't wait to read it. (laughs) Yeah, we can't wait to read it. And then when this episode drops, we'll make sure that we tag everything in the comments on the the post for this episode so that everyone can easily find you. We'll plug you like Thank you. Oh for sure. For sure. I'm gonna plug you guys, don't you worry. Thank you. We we truly appreciate you coming on and giving us this opportunity to sit with you and talk with you and we relate on so many different levels. I think we will definitely be doing this again. Oh, for sure. Yes, sounds great. <laughs> well, you have a wonderful evening. Go take care of that beautiful baby of yours. <laughs> Thank, Thank you so much. Thanks so much for your time. <laughs> okay, bye. Bye, bye. Sandra. Well, that was episode 17. Yeah, that was a great interview. Fantastic. I'm glad that we got to talk to her. And we had so much in common. So much. Yeah. Can't wait to read her book. 
And I'd like to give a shout out to one of our most wonderful and loyal listeners, Ciao Bella. You know who you are. Thanks for listening. I love you. All right. We will see y'all soon for episode 18. 18. Bye.